0: Hey guys, it's Brian Jodis with Pick Up The Six Podcast. I'll make this brief because I want to get right to this episode. On Wednesday of this week, I reported to prison. I was part of a program that was mentoring to men. And part of that group was my friend, Victor, who was going back to prison, the very same one he had served 10 years at. It was an incredible day. Victor and I are going to share this amazing story with you on this episode of Pick Up The Six Podcast. Victor, what's up, brother, man? Good to have you back.
1: Hey, man. Good to be back. Yeah, I know, bro. I make it back home.
0: We're here, man. This is a little different, guys. Usually, um, my setting looks a little bit different. I'm in the same studio, but I uh, kind of uh, 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 just put a different feel to it today, and you'll understand why as we get into our conversation. And typically, uh, you hear me say a bunch of things at the front of the show, and you hear a bunch of advertisers. But for this one, we're jumping right into the conversation. I got my man, Victor, so on the phone. And... Uh, Dude, Victor's been on the show before Uh, he and our buddy Leo were on before talking about this incredible program where they go into men's uh, prisons and uh, and train these guys up with entrepreneur skills, with job skills, uh, with resume writing. And uh, and this week, uh, Victor and I uh, went into prison and this week, Victor went back to prison where four years ago uh, at the Monroe Correctional Complex, he walked out uh, a free man and on Wednesday of this week, he walked back in a free man to mentor to these men. Uh, And we, we wanted to figure out how to best package us up and share it on the podcast. And I thought, you know what, if Victor's willing, why don't we just sit down and just sort of get our thoughts out after being in there for six hours with these guys. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're here for, right? He and I are just going to talk about our experience, our shared experience and our unique experiences as we went into a men's correctional facility to mentor to these guys uh, seventeen men, a part of it that day, over thirty volunteers. I'll tell you more about exactly why we were going in there. But Victor, first and foremost, man, you walked back into that building where you spent you spent time, years. yeah, um what was that feeling like going in there the other day?
1: Yeah, man, it was just a lot of a lot of emotion. I didn't know what to think going into to the prison. Um, I was mentally prepared as possible, but it's just hard to think about all the unknowns, you know, walking through those gates walking through the metal detector and, you know, my metal detector going off two times right when I get there, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be an experience. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, yeah, just getting in and seeing all the guys, it was just a, a amazing experience. I want to unpack it all, which I'm sure, sure we'll do in a bit, but uh, yeah, just excited for uh the opportunity to go back in and serve the people that I once, you know, promised to go back to.
0: You're, you're a, you're a cool, calm, collected individual, but I saw nerves on you. As we were getting ready to go in. Right. It just uh, yeah. began, and understandably. Right. I mean, the first when, when was the first time you went in there? I know when you got out 2019, but when did you get there and and, and what got you there?
1: Um, you're talking about when I when I first went into prison. That's right. Um, so so I went into prison at the age of 21 years old. It was back in uh, 2021 or 2012. Sorry about that. Yep. Um, 2012. And honestly, I remember that day quite well, like the back of my hand, because I was 21. As I mentioned, I was looking at a 36 year prison sentence as a result of what I what I did. Um, it was a New Year's party, uh, just you know, out with a, a one friend, um, celebrating and and just enjoying the night as a typical typical New Year's night. Didn't think anything of it. We go to a party, um, and um, honestly, there's an individual wearing a Raiders jacket, a football team. Um, and my my buddy, he was a big Seahawks fan. So that just kind of started the, the rivalry there. They started, and they're actually playing that weekend. So they started talking smack to each other. It didn't go, one of them didn't, you know, like the way the other one was talking. The next thing you know, there's a group of individuals surrounding us. Um, and these were rival game members at the time. And um, I was just like, oh my God, like what do we, we get into? Um, so it's two of us and there's probably like 10 or 12 of them completely outnumbered um, but I, I know I didn't want anything to happen to my, to my friend and although I, w- I wasn't that big of a Seahawks fan I did have my you know my uh, so-called friends back at the time mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I did what I thought was going to be best I pulled out my gun I was like hey like we're not going to do any of that like we're leaving um, and they 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 didn't want any problems as soon as they seen the gun they're just like okay we're gonna we're gonna leave it alone Um, But then as soon as we started walking away, they started throwing rocks and stuff at us. And I was, you know, drunk and under the influence at the time and just turned around and started shooting at them. Um, You know, thankfully, my gun jammed after three shots. I didn't think anybody uh, got hit. But a week later, the Seattle gang department was uh, surrounding my house. And and, uh, yeah, I got into prison. And as I mentioned, I was 21 looking at a 36 year prison sentence. So uh, that's kind of how it started. Um, and then from there, you know, I had to, and something had to change. You know, I, I took that whole 10 year prison sentence that I ended up getting it dropped down to, but even 10 years at 21 is still a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I had some time to think about it and, you know, just thankful for the opportunities. I never thought I would say that prison was a blessing, but it was, de- it was definitely something that I needed at the time.
0: You know it's incredible. Um, one of the things I noticed when we were there uh on Wednesday is that oftentimes it can just be one mistake like that. You know, you, yep. you know, and look, the reason why you had a firearm on you, we don't even need to get into that. It's not really that relevant to me for the purpose right. of this story. You're talking about gang people being at a party. I gotta imagine you're running around in some pretty tough areas and concern for your safety and, and maybe your friend. And in that moment, right, you go to, to, uh, to get your friends back. Yeah. Pulling the piece at the time actually gave you the exit out of there, right? Gave you the exit out of there. But then in that moment of emotion, testosterone, everything gets flown. Those rocks get thrown at you, pull the piece, fire up a couple rounds. Someone gets hits hit, 36 years and uh and there you go at 21 into that into that building facing what could have been a lot longer time right i know you've probably thought about it a lot and man god we should have just left probably shouldn't even have had it on me you know exactly all that stuff
1: yeah yeah I'm plenty of time to think about it um and i did you know I was just like okay well, how am i going to make the best out of this situation i know i got you know thankfully a release date there's individuals that we met and um, when we went into the facility this week and they weren't ever getting out. So I'm just, you know, really thankful that I did have the opportunity to get in there to apply myself, to become a better person. Um, and then, you know, get out and make an impact. Like that's what these individuals, a lot of these individuals want to do as well. And I'm just, you know, thankful that I had the opportunity to release and, um, you know, live out my plan.
0: Yeah. We're going to give you more context as to why we were actually there. What did you do? What factors helped you go from 36 years to 10, right? Cause a 21 year old going in at 36, bro, you're not getting out to, you're almost 60. Imagine that. Yep. We saw yeah, some guys the other day. Math. You're right. We saw some guys the other day that I'm at, I'm at 18. I got 20 to go. I'm at 40. I don't know. Right. So mm-hmm. what, what got 36 to 10 for you? And, and my guess is part of the reason why we were there maybe factored into that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, the 36 to 10 um, is honestly just how our system is is built, you know, our, our justice system. Um, they give you a, a, what they call a public defender, which is just like a free lawyer um, as soon as you get incarcerated. Um, and how the 20, uh, 36 years got dropped down to 10, they initially dropped it down to 20 with the public defender. And the public defender said, hey, that's that's all I could give you um so like even 20 i was considering i was like well 20 is a lot better than 36 i should be thinking about this and she was saying this was the best thing smoking um but then i reached out to my dad who thankfully didn't give up on me and mm. um, i was just like man i'm, I'm stuck in a situation um he's just like i'm gonna help you out this one last time but this is it um and he ended up pay- paying ten thousand dollars for a paid lawyer um, who was able to advocate for a better deal. They got 10 years, but um, just, you know, think about the individuals that don't have that debt that's willing to cough up 10,000. That's probably why they're still sitting inside of the, uh, in the prison facilities is they don't have, you know, money to get a good lawyer to handle their case. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a huge, huge, um, just a- unfortunate situation for for some folks who aren't able to afford it. Um, but yeah, just getting it down, down to ten um, was through, through
0: the support of my father, I'm was super it, thankful for him, bro, for sure. Um, for sure. And it's not lost on us, uh, the perspective and the gratitude and the thankfulness we have, you have to be in a scenario like that. You're right. There's guys that we met the other day that it, it doesn't play out that way. And we'll tell you, we'll share a story with you that sort of brings that to light. I mean, did you know, walking in on day one, it was 10?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Walking okay. into so all that after happened, all
0: that happened before. Yeah. Right. So, so that takes an incredible load up. All right. So here's why we're there. Right. So we might give you Victor's story. What ultimately landed him in the Monroe Monroe uh, correctional complex, just North of Seattle, Washington for 10 years. So we've got a mutual friend, Leonovsky. He was on the show with Victor uh, uh, before. You guys go back, listen to that episode because they talk a lot about their friendship, how they became friends and where they met. And they met through a program called the five ventures. The five ventures is in multiple States but has presence in the state of Washington in the Monroe Correctional Complex. And what they do is provide a mentorship and an entrepreneurial training program for men on the inside. And the best way for me to explain is it's an external outreach program to men on the inside. And part of what they do is they go through a multi-month course, a big, I mean, textbooks to learn about entrepreneurship and, and to really how to, if and when they're able to be released, to really get control of their life, and to be a productive member of society. And it's uh, it's your story, right? How your elevator pitch for who you are, how you introduce your someone in a minute, mm-hmm. right? Your resume, how you can list all the things you do. By the way, a lot of these guys go in at 18 years old. Their jobs, their only jobs on their resume are jobs they've had when incarcerated. How do you package that up? Volunteer work they've done, training they received, And then the last part that we got to do was in the last part that they do is they write out a business plan, right? What can you do from a business standpoint? And these men go through this multi-month training process. They can either fail or graduate from it, right? Not everybody graduates from it. You are a graduate from it. And I got to think that that Mm -hmm. helped propel you. And so part of that program is to then have external mentors come in for a day for this six-hour session and hear these guys, meet them, talk to them, right? Hear their introduction, look at their resumes and go over their business plan. But check this out. The last time that this program was actually in those facilities was March of 2020. And you guys don't need me to remind you what happened in March of 2020. Victor leaves that facility in the fall of 2019, right? But by the grace, he's able to get out before that. March of 2020, men are in the middle of this Defy Ventures entrepreneur and training program and COVID hits. Everyone leaves. You guys will be back in three and a half weeks, three and a half years later, on this Wednesday, the 23rd of August, 2023, we go back in. We f- They finally get to go back in. So, Victor, that in and of itself is incredible, right? This amazing program that's helped man, helped you on the inside be prepared for when you came out, it gets shuttered, like so many other things. God, it's got to be tough. It has to have been tough for the guys that were going through that.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, as you mentioned, some of the guys, they don't get like visitors on a regular basis. They don't have people that come to see them. So we're probably the first people that they've seen, you know, in many years since 2019 or even before that, before before some of them. Um, So, yeah, it's crazy to put that into perspective that, you know, they weren't they're locked down. And just imagine seeing their loved ones there. You know, their wives, their kids, they're no longer able to come back into the facilities because of COVID. So, yeah, it was just a troubling time. I did remain in contact with individuals, you know, during that time. But, yeah, just just uh, they weaponized COVID a lot in there. And it was a just tough time to be incarcerated.
0: I mean, th- think about it, right? And it's where, like, part of this experience of going in there is really – trying to put yourself in these guys shoes and to be able to stand across from them. I I think it helps, but imagine already being so alone, by the way, you're in a place with 20,000 men. That's how many men are in this Monroe correctional complex spread across their different buildings, 20,000 men, but you're so alone. You're still so alone, right? You're reduced down to a number, right? All of your rights taken away really to break you down. And then to have that thing hit, And then that little bit of external that you do get through programs like this, you know, yanked away is a hell of a time, man. Hell of a time for those guys. I wish one of the things we didn't do is really talk to the guys about that side of it, but we were just so busy doing so many other things. So shout out to the five ventures, right? Leo, Andrew Glazier, and those guys for running just an amazing program. And Leo reached out and invited a bunch of guys to attend. And he he's an F3 brother of ours. We know him as Pure Lead. And uh, he invited a bunch of local F3 guys and he popped me a note. He said, hey man, listen, I know it's a long way to come. Uh, I'm working to get Victor there. I'm working to get a bunch of F3 guys there from Seattle. I just, I feel like given the stuff you do with the podcast and everything, just if you can get out, if you can get yourself out here, would you come be a part of this? And I looked at the schedule and it was f- clear. And I called my brother who lives in Seattle and it was clear for them. And, and I said, we got to be a part of this. We got to be a part of going in and, and, uh, and helping these guys. So the day looks like we'll start talking about what the day look like, right. And then we're going to share some stories as we unpack. And really, we're just going to walk you through it. Cause I think it's just important for folks to hear it. We got to share this with people that haven't seen what we've seen. So the night before we do a briefing, right. We all go get pizza, mod pizza, where Victor's first job was at a mod pizza. Yeah. Right? It's pretty incredible. So that's gotta be cool for you to go back to one of those. Yeah. Right? Do that. So we, so we ate some pizza, which was great. Uh, we briefed, we got a sense for what we were going to do the next day. We got up Wednesday morning. Uh, I led a killer F3 workout that Victor was at. So we got a good uh, yeah. sweat on. We got our minds right for the day, which is awesome. And then we all kind of went our separate ways, got cleaned up. And then we had about an hour North of Seattle, 45 minutes, hour North of Seattle to where this Monroe correctional facility is. And it's sort of just beautiful, man, beautiful part of Washington. You drive up that way as you pull up, it's exactly what it, you think it's going to look like, right? big buildings all over this big area barbed wire fences everywhere guard towers everywhere i mean it's sort of out of central casting we're going to this one it's a massive facility remember twenty thousand incarcerated men there right we go to this one building that's a part of it twin rivers building is where we're at where we're going to meet with these guys we go into the main front lobby area uh we give our id cards we hand them our keys at this point we're in close no watches no phones our ID card in our pocket. Cause that's our way in and out. That's all we're taking in. No red shirts allowed. No khaki pants allowed. No car, no, um, camo allowed. No gray sweatshirts. My first thought was no gray, no khaki. I bet the men are going to be in gray and khaki. They're Clothes on the inside uh, for the EITs, you're going to hear Victor and I call them EITs probably for the rest of our conversation, entrepreneur and training, right? We're giving empowering language to these men instead of calling them prisoners or inmates or whatever, right? So, all the EITs, white shoes for the most part, khaki pants, different kind of khakis, jeanish khaki, khaki, gray sweatshirts. So, that made clear for me. The red shirt thing, my my first thought was, okay, this has got to be gang related. Nobody's wearing red shirt. You're not going to wear a red <laughs> set into here. But then, I saw a handful of dudes that looked like they were maintenance workers who were wearing red shirts and khaki. And I was like, maybe it's that reason. So why no red?
1: Yeah, no, exactly that. They have individuals who are typically on the work crew that uh, will wear red shirts. So they don't want you switching out red shirts with them and getting out of prison. So it's just a security thing.
0: Okay. So that, all right. So that, the, the second I saw those guys, that made sense as well. And I can understand the no camo thing and all that. So, but those are our sort of rules going in right So we didn't even really, I mean, there was some couple of clocks. you don't have your watch on, you don't have your phone. It was strange. I always have my garmin on and I'm always got the phone. So just to be disconnected like that was interesting. Remember there's about 30 of us we're going in to serve about 17 dudes. So we got to go through a series of right checkpoints, security <laughs> doors. these doors lock behind you. this door locks in front of you, you wait there. They unlocked those. We walked across, not very far, 100 yards across a courtyard um and then you go into this sort of the main building when you walk in there again what you would expect big glass windows three or four security guards behind those windows and they've got all the screens right they're the way in and out and then to our right another set of security doors and on the other side of the doors is this what I would call a small cafeteria, multi-purpose room. That's where we're going to be for the day. There's ultimately two rooms that we have access to. And what struck me first was, yeah, this is real. We are going into prison. We're not, they're not bringing them into some security area. Like we're headed in because those guys have right. access to that room for other activities when we're not there, we're going in. But then I look over to my right and Leo's there at the end of a line and he's got a microphone And he's cheering us on, and the guys inside the EITs are clapping and cheering. It's like a party to welcome us. And I was like, I didn't (laughs) didn't expect that at all. Have you had you seen that from times you've done that before?
1: Well, yeah, I was on the other end of that. I was. I I didn't know if it was a new thing, right?
0: But you've seen, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's just a way it's way to welcome the the guests coming in. They made the trip to spend the day with us, Um, so yeah, we just want to give them. A warm welcome and yeah, I definitely felt it. Mean, different being on the other side, but yeah, high five and all that. It, it, it was um, yeah, wild. it wild. It, it brought the energy, just you it, know, and right I'll tell you it what it did.
0: In. Right, it brought the energy and it, it brought the nerves down. Right? Cause I mean, like look, I felt perfectly safe the entire time, but you're also like, This is pretty fucking crazy, <laughs> man, to be doing this. Yep. So that helped, right? Brings the nerves down, everybody's excited, you do all that, and we all kind of make our way in. But then the very first guy I see, and I have a sense, look, I know I'm going to see black, white, Hispanic, Pacific Northwest, sort of native American kind of, I'm going to see, I know I'm going to see all kinds of guys. The very first guy I lock eyes with and get a physical look at has a shaved head, a massive tattoo on the back of his head and two visible swastikas tattooed on his arms. And I'm like, here we are. Like, here we are. That's as real. That's as real as it's going to get, Victor. That's my man <laughs> yeah. will, right? It was as real as it's yeah. gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. That part was <laughs> shocking moment. Not sh- I mean, shocking, not shock, but it's like I'm such a privileged person, it. right? You're in it. I've only ever seen that on American History X and on you know, scared straight TV shows. But to come face to face like that, that was that was a wild moment at the beginning, like right away. <laughs> and you're right. You're like, wow, okay, here we are. It's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyways, okay. Because, so that's. Um,
1: I, I knew a think? lot of the individuals walking through that line. So for yeah. me, it was more, it felt like more like a reunion. It's like, hey, you know. Hey. Yeah. How many of those
0: guys had you? There was, I only met one guy who was relatively new there, had only been there for a year, had about three or four more left in front of our boy, Matthew Magnet. We'll talk about him later. He's, yeah. a, he's got an incredible idea, this guy. How many of those guys are the 17, maybe not a full head count, but you knew quite a, a few of them? I'd
1: probably say like seven to nine. Wow.
0: Yeah. So almost, yeah. yeah, more than half. Yeah. Yeah. Almost half. All right. So we go in, right. Uh, the very first thing we do is we sort of all sit in these chairs and we're all co-mingling, right? It's all good. Co-mingling talking to these guys. That was, uh, when I was kind of hanging talking to Will a little bit and then us as the volunteers have to introduce ourselves. So first of all, they make us dance up the, the middle of the chairs to like <laughs> go up there. So that was totally ridiculous, but I, but it was nice, right? Cause we're just laughing and bullshitting. I'm yeah. talking to, uh, Harrius, right. We're making fun of people like who are dancing funny. It just, it is a smart way to kind of get everybody just into it. We introduce ourselves very shortly and then they go through what the day is going to be like. And essentially it looks like this. And I described it before. We're going to do basically three main things with these guys. We're going to get to know them. We're going to hear their mission statement, who they are. They've been working on it. We're going to look at their resumes. We're going to hear their business plan. So we do the first part. And I, er- very early in the day when Victor sat down I said, Hey man, would you be my buddy for this? Cause I could see we're, we got more of us than them. We're going to partner up and two P, two volunteers are going to work on each EIT during these segments. And Victor was like, yeah, bro, let's do it. And I thought, you know what? that will be awesome. Right. So we partnered up. We had our first two guys come through to tell us a little bit about themselves, which was absolutely amazing. The first guy we met with was this guy, Anthony. He, he called himself articulate Anthony. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause we all do use superlatives. I was bold, Brian. I think you were a valuable Victor. First names only. You guys can understand, right? First names only. We're not saying exactly where we work, just that kind of stuff. This guy, Anthony sat across from us and Anthony's been in there for 18 years. I think he had told us, yeah, I think with quite a few more to go. Yeah. 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 Maybe longer. Yeah. Longer. I never asked, didn't ask Anthony what he did. I wasn't concerned about that. And some of the guys we found out just by conversation, I, you would have thought I was talking to Uh, a public speaker who's been on a speaker's bureau tour for years, Uh, an owner or manager, CEO of a company. I mean, this guy, so bright, so sharp. He's been in the Toastmaster series there. He's going through the Defy program. I mean, this guy was, I was like, I I shouldn't be so surprised, but it was just my first takeaway was like, dude, this guy's so buttoned up and so sharp.
1: Yeah, no, Anthony, he he was a, I met him when I first started off my my sentence back in 2012 and just really thankful for individuals that that were like him. You know, he just already had a, a sharp mindset on on him. And he has more of uh you know exemplary uh you know, incarcerated individual. Um, he was taking all the programs. Um, and even though he had, you know, a bunch of time left, he, he didn't he didn't have a release date at that time. He, he went to court recently, but still he wanted to find ways to give back despite having all that time, despite never getting out of prison. He was always encouraging folks to sign up for classes and stuff like that. And that's, that's the type of people that we needed more of. Um, so just, you know, thankful for everything that he's been able to do over the years. Um, and despite him not getting out, like that's that's huge. Yeah. Um, he's one of the ones that influenced me personally to continue to take my college courses. He was teaching a math class. Um, he was a, you know incarcerated individual teaching a math class, and he made it more relatable. You know, he's just like, hey, you know, you sold drugs in the past before, right? So how do you add these two things? He just made it made it more relatable for individuals that you know were wanting to pursue education. Um, and then just kind of encourage folks. So he's, he's definitely a true leader, um, somebody that that we need more of.
0: I, I know he really meant a lot to you. Uh, you got a chance to speak before we left. And just the way that you talked about him and referenced him, it, it seemed like he was one of those guys that maybe early he put a, a wing around you or just it was clear that he left a legacy for you. And, and part of I know, and you didn't say this, but I can assume that part of your drive to give back and and to continue to stay straight is to honor all that that guy poured in into you. One of the things he said to us that really struck me, and I've been telling a lot of people about this was he said, you know, so in this, he was part of the way for a minute, he basically was going to introduce himself to us. Like say you, you got an elevator pitch, right. Or you're sitting down for a job interview before you tell me about yourself. So he tells us about himself and then he very politely and smartly says, now, obviously, because you're meeting me here, I made a big mistake in my life. But he goes but this is the key part. But let me tell you what I've been doing since then. And then he goes right into all the things you just mentioned. And I thought <laughs> adherence, right? awareness of what you've done, regret and sorrow for what you've done, but also there has to be a moment where that does not have to define you. Right? And I think far too many of us maybe think these guys going to prison, right? Like that's they did this thing like that's what they are. That's bullshit. That's not the case because to a man that we met there, that's not who they are, right? A mistake can't define everything you ever are for your whole being. And the way he just said, listen, obviously, because you're meeting me here, I made a mistake. But let me tell you what I've done since then. Toastmaster, teacher, speaker, mentor, entrepreneur in training. I mean, the guy's got a ton going for him in a place where it's hard to have a lot going for you. It was incredible to meet him.
1: Yeah. Really good
0: people. Yeah, I know he meant a lot to you. That's for sure. I could tell that. I can tell that for sure. Uh, who is our other guy that we met in that one? So then we had Terry, right? Terry was our yep. second one to come through. Terry, Terry, uh, man, I don't even know where to start with Terry. And I hope you guys don't mind. We're just going to tell you about all the folks we met. Cause I think that's part of the important part of the day. Terry's an older guy. Terry's probably in his sixties would be my guess. Based on the math. Yep. Terry's been there for 40 years. And I don't know that Terry has a release date. I, I don't know. You might know. I, I
1: couldn't tell. I think, it, yeah, I think he wasn't getting out. I don't think um, he's getting out. If it was, if it was. It was extended yeah, and beyond. I and
0: I don't know what Terry did to get there. You might, and we don't I even. Don't. Yeah, and I don't either. And and that was not one where it came up. And I'll and I'll share with you a few guys where it did. Terry, it did not. Here's what struck me about Terry: older gentleman, probably early sixties. He's been there for forty years. He's got to be late sixties because I'm just doing some math. Here's what he told me. He's been there for 40. He's been married for 53. His wife, he's still his wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, right? His wife on the outside. He's got some deal now where whether it's because of years or age or because he actually is married, she can come for some extended like weekend visits. And I think he can see her pre-COVID now post as well. I don't know how regularly, but they can see each other, right? And they're able to have communication. So first yeah, of all, that's
1: called trailer visits. So the, if you are married, I get, think you get to see her. Twice or three times a
0: year? Twice or three yeah. times a year. And just yeah. the two of them in there? I'm gonna just ask them, the I'm gonna them. ask them I'm gonna ask the question yeah. everybody's thinking. That's, right? that's, how everybody, some, that's
1: how some of the babies were made. Right. Everybody's <laughs> thinking, okay,
0: if they're gonna be in the trailer alone, like all right, finally he can reconnect with his wife. Great. I'm glad he's granted that opportunity a few times a year. Um yeah. for and you think guys 40 years. Like the guy was incredibly positive. And in so here's more of his story. They've been together ever since, right? Like he talked about his wife. He, yeah. he, he has no release. He has found his spiritual life and been renewed in Jesus Christ and his creator. And this man on a typewriter types up blog posts. It's called the night candle You can go to it. I went to it today. He types yeah. up blog posts about spirituality with scripture verses. it's devotionals. He gives them to his wife. She puts them on the blog. This guy, I mean, and he was nervous to sit down and tell us about himself. I could just tell he had it all typed up. But the fact that he still believes so much and still finds something to believe in when he's in a place that a lot of that's been taken away from him, that to me was incredible. Your thoughts on just meeting him? Or you you probably had met him before.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, that was my first time meeting him okay. for sure. But uh, yeah, I was surprised that he's been down that long. And it sounded like he still has forever in a day. And um, what I was impressed was just, yeah, he's, he is totally into the Defy program. Um, he he actually, you forgot to tell him about the business cards that he had for us. He, he God, dude. So he, he wants to make little tiny, them.
0: right. Yeah, his business plan, I'll you can jump back in, right? His business yeah. plan is to build tiny homes. That's what he wants to do. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so, so he had these business cards made for us. You know, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's handing them out to all the Uh, uh, volunteers but yeah he's just like here's my business card and he did it on his typewriter like the just the thoughtfulness like all right well i don't got access to like real business cards i can't just have my business card sent in but yeah there if you're watching if you're watching
0: yeah if you're watching on the youtube channel or online or watching on ngbn.tv there he is right there redemption way tiny homes terry his wife brought him that little picture he that's glued on here guys it's not printed he glues those on he types them up he's got some scripture and some thoughts on the back he wrote this Right, it was the first thing we got when we we're in there. Can't take contact information, right? We can't exchange contact. Okay, got it. That's fine. But Terry gave us this. I'll keep this forever.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just really impressed with what they're able to to uh, come up with there. You know, despite their resources, they still do outreach to their families to get you know make things happen. Uh, it just shows that he still has will to continue the fight. So well, gotta respect Terry for that.
0: Here's what you're going to read. The kind of stuff, if you go to night candle meditations as a responsive person of understanding and compassion, I search out my neighbor's cause by the light of inspiration to be feet for the weary guiding eyes for those who lack vision and extending, helping hands where needed. What a guy. So that was Terry. Terry was awesome. Terry's got a lot of time to go. Terry's been in there for a long time.
1: Yeah.
0: Terry, Terry to me, seemed rather rehabilitated and ready to get to work. Seemed to me like could be a productive member of society on day one. I don't know what he did, but I sat across from that guy and that man seemed like somebody that. uh, I, I, I don't know. There is an underlying theme through this that you'll hear where Victor and I will talk about the amount of time some of these guys have and what they're facing. And you might be wondering what I'm wondering. Why? Why so long? Why so long in a system uh, that wants to just keep them in there? This uh, this, this industrial prison complex that we've created in our country, to me, after being in there for six hours, meeting the men I did, hearing their stories, seems to me like it's a little too big. That's an underlying theme. That's something we're going to have to unpack and talk more about, and maybe even get into some criminal justice reform conversations, maybe for another day, because I want to share the stories of these men. But man, a guy like Terry, I was like, what? Seems to me there's got to be a path for him to get out of here. But. I mean, I don't, we don't have all the details, but from what we saw, that's a guy ready to get to work. have given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's a guy deep in his faith who has been atoning for his sins since the day he did them. I know that much. Okay. That was Terry. All right. So then I'm going to go in chronological order to tell you guys what we did next. Right. Cause then we had to do the resume thing. Then we had to do the business uh, coaching thing and we had that
1: before that, before
0: yeah. that we did the most impactful thing of the day right? Yeah. So before lunch, we did a uh, an exercise called Step to the Line. And maybe you've done this in a corporate setting or in a business. Pe- I, I, I've i heard of these before. I've never done one. EITs, 17 of them all in one line. All the volunteers in another line were probably three to four feet apart from each other. Blue pieces of painter's tape. The director, uh, Andrew, is going to read a series of statements. And if it's true for you, you step to the line, right? And it's really a way to see what we have in common, to see where our differences are, and to be real in front of each other and to admit things. And it's everything from I was nervous about coming here today. A lot of people stepped up, right? This is my first time in prison. A lot of people stepped up all the way down to I was raised by both of my parents my entire life as a kid. You can see disparities, right? The, uh, uh, you can see differences. I was raised in a single parent household. I never met one of my parents. I was born into poverty. Violence was a part of my everyday life growing up. I was dropped out or kicked out of high school, right? So now you see a lot of differences. A couple of the incredible moments in the entire experience was amazing, was on the volunteer side. I was kicked out or flunked out of high school. Tall guy, bald head, really nice suit, really buttoned up, stepped up. All the EITs look down the line. Whoa. I've been convicted of and done time for a violent crime. Two guys down for me, five foot four, 120 pounds, 130 maybe. Middle Eastern dude. Nice clothes, cleaned up, steps up to the line. EITs look down. Whoa. So there's, there's things that we have in common. And then clearly there's a lot of things that just showed me, obviously, the environment that those guys have come from. And how hard it is to break that cycle. And I look across the line and I think almost all you dudes grew up without a dad. You're an outlier, bro. In that group, right? Mm-hmm. What's happening now while you're in here? So that was just, I mean, I, I got emotional a little bit, uh, and it's everything from, I feel shame about things I've done. I've narrowly escaped, right? I've done things that could have gotten me convicted and of yeah, a crime, a right? You're like, well, Yeah, shit. you're
1: surprised with all the all the volunteers. You just be like, oh, well, I mean, right. they're just, they got lucky. They didn't get caught for what they did.
0: You know what I mean? So that, that step to the line thing is something I'll remember forever. Your mm-hmm. thoughts, yeah. having now done it on both <clears throat> sides of the tape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, to be honest, this is probably like my seventh or eighth time doing this exercise. And I always say that I'm not going to tear up. but I tear up every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because some of those power, those questions get deep, you know. Just I'm still dealing with, you know, um, forgiveness and uh, yeah, still, that was a tough uh, one. Yep, yeah, but and like it still resonates with me even after those years. And I'm you know thinking, hey, I'm gonna be free. You know, all that's gonna go away. You no, know, those things still come up. Um, they still, and it's, it's just a, good, a huge reminder that like. I'm still dealing with, I still got some work to do, you know, I mean, there isn't no right or wrong answers. Everyone deals with these things differently, Um, but yeah, just, for it to come up again, it definitely uh is powerful. You know, you've seen you know what what's it, what it's able to do to the room, and then they play the the you know the music in the background that does yeah, They got sort <laughs> of a soft emotional. That music. doesn't help, but, you know? but yeah, man. Uh, uh, like one of the things we they did have a rule where we couldn't give individuals hugs and uh, that that were incarcerated the EITs we weren't able to give them any hugs. Um, you know, like a lot of the times I just wanted to reach over that line and so true. Just give them a, yeah. give them a good old hug. All I was able to offer was a handshake or I put my, my hand over my heart to yeah, sort know, of respect. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just be there. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was tough. Uh, I think a lot of them, I was able to like just reflect on, you know, being on the other side, you know, before I was able to say, that I was a, a parent so like when that thing came when that question came up it was right. just like okay um so but also just trying to think about the future and you know being being the the single family homes where folks grew, uh, grew up in and just like not trying to have that happen you know being a new parent myself so there's just a lot of reflection and overall just a really powerful exercise
0: yeah um I have worked and we'll work hard for 11 cents an hour. So the guy's getting paid on the inside for their jobs. Mm. You know, like just the, it. yeah, that was it. That was, was a, that was a like, tough oh. one. <laughs> and then you, and that's why it's like, well, I suppose this is a pretty life changer. I'm like, you're damn right. Because I better not forget that. Right. Like I better not forget that. Like, dude, my back today is super sore. I did something. I tweaked it the other day, but you know what? I'm going to go home sit on the couch, watch TV, drink a beer, like I'm fine. It's fine. You know? So that was, that's an incredible experience. So we break for lunch after that, right? I'm going to introduce you to a guy who we also, uh, did the resume building with, but I'm going to talk to you about the conversation I had with him over lunch. Cause you know, this guy now too, uh, Leo, right? So Leo has been in there for maybe Leo was 17 years. All that isn't is somewhat irrelevant. I suppose at this point, Leo's got a pretty incredible story. So Leo, uh, married a woman, Leo had three sons before they basically end up with four or five sons in the home. And one is very young. And Leo is accused of, uh, shaking baby syndrome for his youngest, for the youngest who passed away, tragically passed away in their home. Uh, his other children, uh, from what I've been told, uh, testified that he didn't do it, uh, that the kid fell and got hurt. So But that's the reason why he's there. He was convicted of that. And so he's got, he's got to have a long time would be my guess. And we could probably go look it up if we really wanted to. So he's got a long time. And when you look at Leo and I'm going to put a video in the show notes here, because you can meet him and I'll tell you why you can meet him in a second. The dude looks scary as shit, right? He's big. He's Hispanic, Native American, Pacific Northwest kind of feel Mm -hmm. to him, right? Hispanic for sure. He's got a scar that runs along his eye like this under the bottom of his Mm -hmm. eye. And when we met him, he's been bald before, but he was rocking the sort of back hair, kind of native uh, hairstyle. And he says he's doing that out of honor to his heritage, where he came from. So he looks scary as shit, right? I mean, it's just, he does. That's what he looks like, tattoos and stuff. So we sat down for lunch. We're talking, man, get to know him. We're eating they fed us pretty well on that day. The guy's like, food's usually shitty. This is great. Thank- I'm so glad <laughs> you guys are here. Spaghetti, meat sauce, all this stuff. We ate pretty well. Right. So we're having lunch. And he gets so passionate because I said, tell me what kind of things you do in here. So this guy's a part of a program that they have at the Monroe Correctional Complex where they train Labrador retrievers to be service dogs for paralyzed or disabled individuals. And these are not... Um, these are not, uh, service dogs for like PTSD. These are for, if you physically need help, this dog is trained to be your arms and legs, help you put your clothes on, help you put your socks on, like all these things, amazing stuff. And there's a program called summit assistance dogs. And if you go to their Facebook or their YouTube channel, Leo's on there. you can meet him. You can meet our friend Leo now. Cause I went back and watched it. I said, Hey, I got to send this to people. You can meet this. Is my guy. Right. So he lights up telling us about all the work he's been doing to train these dogs. And his story is this one day he was walking back from lunch and he looks over and he sees another inmate who is leaning down and hugging a dog. And the dog is loving all over him. And mind you, in this correctional facility, these men are not allowed to hug anyone. And my guess is, and you can probably confirm, Victor, it's to take that emotional connection away. Right. You you Mm -hmm. just it's not allowed. Right. Is that the reason why?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So imagine that, right? You're in there. you That's why you feel so alone, right? You can't have any kind of connection like that. So he looks over, he sees this guy loving on this dog and he's like, I want that. What is that? How do I, how do I become a part of this program? And he finds out there's a program in there where these guys are given these dogs at a young age and they put them through this very rigorous training program. It's the first of a multi-phase training program for these Labradors to then go serve these people. So Leo now and his cellmate, his, his celly have a eight week old lab in a crate in their cell. They're responsible for feeding, walking, uh, tracking its meals, tracking its poops, tracking its sleep, and then running them through this training program. Not every dog makes it onto the next iteration, but most of them do. And they have a chance to find out if they do. And I think they keep them for eight to 12 weeks or something like that. So he told us all about this. I mean, he's so passionate about it. And I said, well, I know what this guy's business plan is going to be if and when he gets out. And he's like, yep, dog training, dog care, dog grooming. I mean, like he's perfect for it.
1: He's perfect (laughs) He's got the experience. How much were they paying him? Did he tell you?
0: He might've been 40 cents an hour for that. No, you know what? That program he doesn't get paid for.
1: That's strictly
0: volunteer. He gets paid for other jobs that he does, but that one's strictly volunteer. I'll share one more story with you. Then I'll tell you about the rest of our interaction with him. I said, well, Leo, man, that's awesome, right? because you get the love of that dog and the care, but like, do you ever grow attached to them? And he said, yeah, you know what? Early I did. He's trained 27 dogs now. He said earlier I did, but one day a family came in who the dog I trained was delivered to their child who was paralyzed. And if the family wants, they can come in and meet the inmate. I'm going to use the word inmate here because they're not part of you know, this. He's not EIT at this point. They can meet the guy who trained their dog if they want to. He goes, the second I met that kid, that nine-year-old kid who was paralyzed, that I trained the dog that now assists him. I got so much purpose in my life. And yeah, I miss them when they leave, but I get another one to train. And now I know that I'm <laughs> purpose-driven. I thought, man, what a perspective.
1: That's powerful. Right? There's a well, lot in that. Yeah, that's 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 awesome.
0: And there's more of those kinds of things going on than I ever knew. That dog training program is a great example. There's a massive garden outside in one of the courtyards that was built during COVID that is feeding multiple, uh, food shelters in and around the Seattle area. Like these men inside there have done bad things and they'll admit that they've made mistakes, but they're also impacting society from in there, training these dogs, feeding the homeless and the foodless across the, across their area. That's a story you guys need to hear. You need to know that. And then the last thing with Leo was, and we helped him with his resume because we got his resume. He tells all stuff about the dogs and then his dog experience is down. Like, bro, you got to move it. So Victor and I are literally like, he's taking notes. We're like helping him. That felt really great to be able to help him with that. I know probably. Felt yeah. How'd that feel for you?
1: Yeah, no, it felt good. Uh, There's some valuable feedback that I was. I felt we were able to give to everybody. I think we had a, a dynamic. Uh, uh, we talked to a
0: lot of different kind of guys, man. Yes. Yeah. We were a dynamic duo, no doubt. And because of you but we got to talk to a lot of different kinds of guys. The last thing Leo sort of left us with other than at the end of the day, they have all the EITs give out these gratitude cards. They Mm -hmm. give them, they give them, I don't know, six of them. And then they choose the volunteer. They want to give it to. I got Leo's right here. We'll keep that forever. Right. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what, man? He's like, look, I get it. I'm in a tough spot. Um, I'm going to be here for a long time, but I've got purpose. And he goes, and I am, I'm excited to go back to my cell. He said, how many guys could tell you they look forward? The cell is the worst part. There's nothing to do in there. Like at least when you're out, you have activities and stuff. But he goes, but I got an eight week old puppy waiting for me in my <laughs> cell.' And so a little bit of comfort and care for Leo, which I think helps his heart too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, check out Summit assistance dogs, guys. They're doing amazing work. And by the way, you can go donate to them because they're a non-profit and they probably need your help. So that was Leo. I'm going to tell you about one more guy before I talk to talk about the other guys that we helped. Uh, and this was Scott. Scott was across from me when we were doing step to the line. I, okay. probably shook, I probably shook hands with Scott no less than 20 times throughout the course of the day. So your point about them being just so grateful to finally see somebody and to get some sort of interaction, one or two handshakes would have been enough. I could, t- Scott needed just that, that hand touch, man, that handshake, just that little bit. And he was on fire for F3. We were talking about F3. He's like, I want to do that. <clears throat> So, he was pretty amazing Scott got into an altercation was walking away from a fight got pistol whipped from behind this is the story he told me now right and I'm taking him at his word pistol whipped from behind ripped his ear off he turned around wrestled the gun away from the guy who hit him shot him twice because he shot him twice they said it's no longer self-defense he's got 60 years or something killed the guy mistakes right mistakes in a moment Victor's could have been way worse. Yours could have been way worse. Yeah. Could have killed people in there.
1: Yeah. Even Scott, I know Scott for a long time as well. He used to be hardcore, hardcore criminal. When he first entered the prison system, he's part of a biker gang and all that good stuff. And then, but it's, he hadn't gotten
0: caught enough. Right. And then that one thing happens. (laughs) Yeah. Puts him over the edge. So my guess was, I was like, I bet he had a rap sheet and then this happens. And then they're like, well, dude, that's it for you. Right. He was so he was a hardcore dude. He was like the nicest, sweetest guy we talked to.
1: Yeah. Had some time to think about it for sure. No, he, he's made a lot of transformation even since I met him when I first started my sentence. So yes, yeah, it's, it's great to see that. You know, there was a there was, a there was a there
0: was a there was a question about forgiveness, and I stepped off the line and he stepped up. And he grabbed me after said, Hey man, why are you having a hard time forgiving? And I was like, I don't know. I shouldn't. He goes, Yeah, you shouldn't. Look at me. I have, I've forgiven. I was like, bro, that was, I'm going to get,
1: <laughs>
0: that was awesome. Oh, what a gift. All right. Uh, we talked to jogging James. James is our other resume guy. Young guy, super young, tall, thin. Didn't look like he should have been in there at all. If I had to pick right. one dude who didn't look like a dude that should be in there, James. He looked like a computer nerd. Yeah. No offense right to my nerd. computer nerd. Right? But th- <laughs> I mean, that's what he looked like. But he's big into JavaScript coding and all that. He had some really good experience on his resume, but he also, he was holding himself back. He had some self-doubt, some confidence issues. He had some qualifying language in there he didn't need. So you and I helped him massage that a little bit. He said, I'm junior software coder. I'm like, take junior out. That doesn't matter. You don't have to say that, right? So I think we helped him out quite a bit to get that stuff. I hope he gets a chance to get out because that kid looked like he could do some things.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I like James. He had a lot of potential. I mean, he said he was like coding on his, free time at like his work he's, computer which he's is he's like
0: making apps he was doing a bunch yeah, of coding right? stuff that helped the prison
1: yeah um yeah, you know, one, one thing i think we had those sweet sheets that we were passing around yeah, at, yeah. after each round um and yeah with, during with those sweet sheets he was just like that he appreciated the feedback that you know like he said that that I, that i told him that he he could make it in the tech industry yeah. um you know because that's what i did i went through the same program uh, While well, I was incarcerated, I didn't, you know, have any prior coding experience. Uh, we didn't have no internet or anything in there. And I still came out a software engineer. Never would I thought, you know, I'd go into prison and come out a software engineer. So uh, for me to see James uh, still, you know, trying to pursue his career in tech is awesome to see, you know, and it's good to, to see folks, you know, mm-hmm. actually get out and make a career out of it. So I'm sure that inspired, inspired James a lot.
0: Yeah. So after every interaction, we all were given a sheet of paper like this, kind of like a yearbook, right? And we'd exchange with the EIT, they'd give it to us and we'd just leave them a little note, right? To just, right. Thank you for your feedback on my resume. I think the changes will give me the best chance getting a great job. I was our boy, James. Uh, I'll keep this forever, right? call <laughs> these. Yep. Things. That's a pretty cool part. I'm glad you brought that up. I'd kind of forgotten about that. It's right here in front of me. All right, so those are the two guys that we did our resumes with, right so we in total got to work with six dudes we got to meet pretty much everybody, but we got to work with the six all right so um let's see we need to talk about Matthew and we need to talk about Arius let's talk yeah. about Matthew first magnet okay. Matt. so Matt's been in there for a year he's got three or four to go he has a pretty light sentence he's looking at five yeah. years older guy kind of no hair, long beard, which he m- must have had before he got in there. and i think he got mixed up in some improper business dealings or something was my sense you hadn't met him before because he's been he got in after you got out yeah this guy is so smart he's got uh, a plan and um and a strategy and drawings and graphics where he's talking about building a coil and magnet energy source for HVAC systems that he would then build and sell so that you don't have to use regular power to power your AC in the summer and your heat in the winter, green energy, magnets and coils. I mean, he handed us his designs. I'll be honest with you. I was like, listen, Matt, I'll be honest with you, man. What you're talking about is flying over my head, but let me help you at least from a business plan standpoint, talk about how you can get out there. Right. So I think I served him a little bit in that sense. But dude, his his plan, I mean, it, it was pretty incredible.
1: yeah, no, it's it's awesome to see what they're able to come up with. Uh, really, really uh, yeah, he he was thinking about like the and pat- just the, the everything that he put into um just thinking about it, you know, he had it all covered his competitors. He knew how he was gonna uh, attract his first customers. Like he had it all, all laid out. Like in his sense, in his mind, he had it. You know, just locked in on. You know, this is gonna work. Oh yeah. Um, So so when somebody has that, he's full speed ahead.
0: When he gets out, he's full speed ahead. Ain't no stopping.
1: Yep, exactly. So so um, yeah. I mean, I think we were able to them of feedback and it is hard, you know. We're not, you know, in that line of work, but we're still able to provide feedback from, you know, a consumer standpoint. It's like, okay, well, I got an AC heat. Would that provide me value? Hell yeah, it would. So like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, yeah, just,
0: would you want to spend um, a couple hundred to a, a maybe a few thousand bucks to buy this thing versus what your bill is going to be? And, you know, what we were there to do is give him perspective on, hey, man, do a market analysis, right? Know what else is out there in the market. Know what the competitors are doing. Be thinking about this. And then, you know, the biggest thing that I was after talking to him a little bit, I got a little couple nuggets at him. I said, listen, man, whatever you do, get the right people around you when you do this and don't let everybody into that circle, especially coming out. And I'm sure that's something that you can probably attest to, you know, in your journeys and coming out Mm -hmm. is to get the right people around you. And now it also helps when high impact men like Leonowski, who helped you go through that program, who graduated through Defy, was waiting there at the gate when you got out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that sense of community or just having somebody waiting for you like that says a lot, you know, it's it's something that's different than just getting out to nothing, no support at all. Um, so yeah, grateful for the the high impact people that are, you know, extending their hand to try to help out the next person. Yep.
0: The last guy we got to talk to was Arius. He came walking in black guy, kind of shaved head, uh, super personable, man. Great. talk. Yeah. Big big crucifix around his neck. So I was a little surprised they could wear necklaces. I thought that was cool. So get a little bit of individuality from that standpoint. So immediately I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to enjoy talking to this guy. He wants to own a food truck, right? He's a cook. He loves to cook. He loves to cook for people. He loves to cook meat and like savory foods. And he wants to own a food truck. His unique, I'm not going to give you all the details because it's his thing, right? And I don't want anybody to take his idea. I really don't, I'm (laughs) serious. So I'm not going to give you the full idea and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but he has this patented way of sealing in the flavor and the sweetness of the food he's preparing, specifically meat dishes. That if this guy, when he gets out, if he gets this thing going, I've never heard of it before, right V? I've never. Tasted like this. In fact, I was like, "Can you cook for us now?" Yeah. He's got this trick. I'm not going to tell you the secret ingredient. I'm really not because I don't want somebody to take his idea. I'm serious. But that dude just wants to get out, make people happy, make good food, own a food truck, and live his life like that. what did you think of me? Dan? Yeah.
1: Oh man, I, I was definitely hungry after that conversation. Right? You could you could really sense the disappointment that he wasn't able to uh, give us give us a, a taste of this because he says he makes it up in the unit. For all the guys, and he's he's the same way. He's he doesn't like sharing his secrets. He's probably you know making this recipe inside of his his uh his house inside of there. But, right. Um, yeah. No, and so it, can it's, you it's, tell me
0: something, Victor? How does that yeah. work? I'm just right. So he's talking about cooking and being able to make food and all that. Can you can you take us inside the walls? Like how does that example work?
1: Yeah, so uh, we are able to order uh, what they call a commissary, which is just a like grocery list that we could buy stuff off of, and they sell all kinds of stuff, obviously marked up really high. Uh, but at, but at, mind um, you,
0: at, at earning eleven cents or forty cents an hour,
1: <laughs> right. right? So you, you have a bunch of stuff that you could order, uh, but then individuals just get creative. They're just like, okay, well, how can we blend, you know, these three or four ingredients to make you know something saucy. Um, so so just about, you know, getting creative and then uh, you get store, I think, twice a week. So you get, you get order from this grocery list twice a week. And then um, they do have uh, like microwaves inside of the, the unit. That's it. There isn't no like stoves or anything like that. Everything that you have to make is with. A microwave, you get you get it heated up. That's all. Most most people got like hot pots where you can heat up water and use mm-hmm. that water as well. Um, but the microwaves are there for your use. And then how you cut your meat is with plastic knives. They don't let you have any, you know, sharp knives or anything yeah. like that. They're really flexible. Like yeah, they make sure you don't want to stab anybody with, with sure. these with these sure. like knives and stuff. But yeah, um, you get creative. So uh, then you can share it. It's not typically allowed to share share food amongst uh incarcerated he made it sound
0: like he had a customer base that was oh yeah no no
1: no but there is the, the black market <laughs> you know you, you could always always do your thing down there so if, especially if you got something in high demand there's gonna be a market in there as well they barter with coffee and uh top ramen. there's that's their form of currency mm-hmm.
0: he's got a great name for it um our advice for him was again, keep that circle close, right? Keep your friends close. And I said, listen, man, get out and start preparing this food before you even get the truck. Get that food out there to as many people as you can. Farmers markets, festivals, parties, whatever. Be making it at home as long as you can. Sock up as much money as you can and then go get that truck. Get a customer base, get some loyalty, get your brand out there, get people knowing how good it is. And then get the truck versus putting yourself in $20,000 worth of debt, right. To outfit a food truck. So hopefully yeah. that was, hopefully that was good advice.
1: Yeah, no, I lo- loved his idea. I got a lot of, a uh, lot of hope for him. I'm um, yeah. excited to see what he does for for the, the graduation. All, uh, uh, both of the businesses, I think, you know, just given the feedback that we're able to provide and I'm sure they'll get feedback um, mm-hmm. you know, t- t- towards the graduation, but looking to see how it plays out.
0: So these guys are um, are months into this multi-month iteration of this training. D- could, did, would you mind explaining kind of what happens for them next as it relates to the Defy program and sort of that graduation?
1: Yeah, so after the event today, they take the feedback that they were able to get from their uh, business plan and then kind of apply that into their user research. Um, typically, if they do have something that they could test out inside of the, the units, uh, they would be able to do that. Or if not, you know, they just try to like send a and a Q&A to, you know, somebody out on the streets and try to get feedback from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they, they continue to work on their business plan. They actually put it down all on paper. How much is it going to cost? What's their break even point? They go into a lot of detail and just like building out your business plan so uh, by the end at the graduation you will have a fully developed business plan um that you could share out and then um yeah they work on uh, the 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 programs a lot more than entrepreneurship they do work on you know just personal development emotional intelligence how you deal with guilt anger and all that stuff because we know you know in business that's a lot more mm, than just money we are right. dealing with people and Um, how we're able to, to, you know, navigate those spaces. So, uh, yeah, just, um, really great program but the graduation is going to be awesome they do have the capping gown that they wear a lot of I, I know I haven't worn a capping gown I dropped out of high school in ninth grade and um, so it's one of the first opportunities that I did have to wear a capping gown so that was pretty good and my dad got, got to see me and wearing it so just a mm. uh, yeah huge milestone for me but I know these uh, EITs are also looking forward to the graduation just showing us all the passion. I mean, you've seen just from this first event, how much passion they had coming in. Um, You know, they're going to be excited for this next event. They're going to have a lot more passion, um, which is hard to imagine.
0: The guys who make it all the way through, graduate uh, towards the end of March. Got yep. to try to do everything we can in our power. You're down in Texas now, which by the way, congratulations and congrats on that. That little 10 month old baby, man, which I know is a life changer. We got to try to make our way back up for that because that would be powerful to to see those sure. guys, see those guys through. And then, brother, it's three thirty in the afternoon. We've been there for six hours, and that's kind of it. And those guys roll back in, and we walk out the front door.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was it was a that was one of the hardest hardest moments for me, honestly. Just like knowing that you have to say say bye to these guys, and like I get the opportunity. We all had the opportunity to leave. Yeah. You know, they're going back into there. You know, same cells that they've been sitting in some of them like as you heard for you know 40 something years if not longer you know so it's just it's uh it allows you to put life into perspective and it's just a humbling moment for me because i know like all it takes is one bad move and i could be back in that situation um so it just gives me you know also like uh, inspiration to continue to do to do better myself Um, uh, but you know just as a reflection it was um it's great to be able to go go in there and i know a lot of them draw a lot of inspiration for me they hear my story especially with leo he goes in there once a week every wednesday to train these folks up and um yeah it, it's it's awesome to see that like they're watching you know mm-hmm. uh, me, despite like me not knowing that um, they're listening they're hearing to like what I'm doing out here in the in the streets. so for me that just continues to light a fire under me it's like look it's not just about you you're doing this for a lot of people so um, yeah there's just, just a lot of emotion walk, walking out of there it's like man I want to stay here as much as I can I felt almost at home sad to mm-hmm. say but mm-hmm. um, it just I've been spent spent a lot of years behind there and Um, developed a lot of good relationships with individuals as you might have noticed. And I mean, it's just, you know, tough to, to say goodbye. It's
0: gotta be tough for you not to hit the hand and pull somebody in. I mean, like that must've been, you must've been fighting every urge to do that because I had just met you recently in person. That's the first thing I did grab you, pull you in. Like it's tough, man. It's tough. And you're right. Like we just walk on out. And, you know, you ever, uh, did you ever watch a movie? Goodwill hunting Remember that movie, Matt Damon, no. right? Anyways, you guys listening, you might remember there's a scene where, uh, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck are standing there and Ben Affleck says, uh, the best part of my day is when I walk up to your house every morning and I hope you're not going to be here because Matt Damon was a super smart, like genius stuck in Southern, you know, South Boston, uh, just screwing around making a lot of mistakes. And Ben Affleck's point was like, you are way too smart. You're way too good. Get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah, I'm gonna be sad you're gone. You're my best friend. But you got to get out of here. And and I liken it to don't you ever go walking back through those doors to be on their side again. Right. And they're probably like, you better not ever come back in here again. And they need you to never come back in there again unless to mentor to them. Because they need to believe it is possible. And it is because you're doing it now, Victor. You are doing it, mm-hmm. right? You are showing them it is possible. And those guys need to believe that I can get out like he, he did and I can do what yeah. he's doing, right? You are a, you are uh, a breath of fresh air in that world for them. And I know you probably yeah. think about that uh, probably every day would be my guess.
1: No, for sure. And honestly, I think that was like one of the biggest things for me, like, you know, I've taken a lot of great programs while I was incarcerated, but I think the thing that had the most impact on me um, to like really change the way that I thought was um, individuals that were coming back in um, that were, you know, were previously incarcerated. I drew a lot of hope because I was like, okay, it's possible. You know, like they're good, they're out here doing it. Like I could do it. Um, but I also envision myself like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing that they're doing. I'm going to go out there and succeed and come back yeah. because, you know, they did that for me. So you want to c- continue paying it forward. Uh, yeah. Really leave no man behind.
0: That's right, and leave no man behind. Pick up the six. We're we say we do it. We say we pick up the six. We say we need leave no man behind. But it's so easy to get caught up in the minutia, and the stress, and the overwhelming, and the detail of our regular everyday life. But what are we doing to help the least of these? And it can happen in your community. But here's what I'm going to challenge you guys: It can happen by finding a program like this. So go to Defy Ventures and see if there's some in your state. Or see what's around you. There's correctional facilities all over the country, clearly. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people incarcerated today. There are outreach programs in a lot of those places. They're safe. They're secure. They wouldn't take you in there if they weren't. So you can get off your ass and you can go into a prison like we did and you can give back. And that might not be for everybody, right? So no pressure, no shame if you don't ever do it. I get it. But if you're listening to me and you're like, you know what, I'm looking for something to level up my picking up the six, go find one of the, go find a program like this. You will, you will gain so much. And what you do for these guys is a drop in the bucket, man, to take six hours of our day of our busy day to then leave and go get back on my iPhone and jump in the car and go grab a bite to eat and go have a beer with my brother. Come on, man. Come on. We've got it. We're so fortunate. And maybe some of you have made mistakes that you got away with right? This is a way to go serve a real underserved part of our population. Don't get me wrong. These guys have made mistakes. Some of those dudes in there are bad dudes that should stay in there forever. But some of those guys in there, like the ones we met are hungry, are fighting, are learning, are faithful, are atoning for their sins on a daily basis. And they'll have to stand at the gates at the end. We don't get to judge. Terry will stand at the foot of the gate and St. Peter will be there and they'll decide whether he goes in or not. Not me or you. So I think we've got an opportunity to put, leaving no man behind and picking up the six in a practice or find something like this, or just find something in your community to find somebody that's underserved. But the guys that we met, they got a lot out of it. I, I left with memories I'll have forever and all these cards, right? The sweet sheet. This is just the beginning. We interviewed a bunch of folks that went in when we got done. I'm going to be sharing a lot of those on the Instagram, right? So go to at pick up the six. I'm going to come up with creative ways to share some of that. I flipped the reaction video very quickly. Victor's in it a bunch. It's on Instagram at pick up the six. It's on LinkedIn. It's on Facebook. Go find it in all those places. so You can see just a little bit of what that experience was like. We couldn't take cameras in, obviously, right? Can't take cameras in there. They had one camera. That guy can't get his memory card back for like a week. Where they scrubbed the picture. So anyways, my brother, before we go, you've been so gracious with your time, man, <laughs> like so gracious, but I wanted just to just unpack. I just want to get it all out there. Hopefully you guys have stuck with us throughout this entire episode. Victor, just your thoughts, man. Now that it's sort of in the rears a few days and just what you've been thinking.
1: Yeah. And um, once again, my thoughts are just a humbling experience for me. Um, yeah, just it's the why behind what I do mm. uh, every, every day. And you know, it's just, getting out and making sure that I'm helping out the, the individuals that are coming behind me because um, it's a lot bigger than myself. Um, and just, yeah, really appreciate you, Brian, for, you know, flying all the way across the country to make an impact like this. I'm sure, you know, just along with those cars that you had, you, you've left a mark on individuals' lives for years and years to come, and they're going to remember you, remember you for a while. So as Brian encouraged, if you can find uh organization uh similar to this where you can get involved highly recommend you step up to the the calling
0: well said my brother go enjoy that uh baby man i know it's uh it's great isn't it
1: yeah no it's, it's like dude been, I, it's this been,
0: is a can you what a gift what a gift that thing what what a gift that little baby is
1: yeah no i'm gonna go spend some time with her probably take her out to the pool and she got you left, wrapped you know, she's I got just...
0: you wrapped right dog i know it <laughs> i i got
1: two girls yeah. man
0: i know it's wild isn't
1: it Yeah. yeah, How can this little thing
0: control so much of me?
1: (laughs) It's the beginning. Gotta love it. You gotta love it.
0: Proud of you, bro. I love you, man. All
1: right, Brian, you enjoy the weekend.
0: All right, that's Victor Saucita. I'm Brian Jodas. Uh more to unpack. We'll we'll share more stories as we go, but we had to get on here today and do it. Uh, because we know that you guys are out there doing it as well. Pick up the six. We'll talk to you later.